cheetahs are the fastest cats on Earth. Want your kids to get free Animal Planet trading cards with cool creatures like the cheetah? You better get to Randall's fast, because you'll only be able to get these amazing cards with fascinating facts free until September 6th. Hurry in. There are 120 different Animal Planet cards to collect. Only at Randall's. Randall's, proudly serving Texas families since 1966. Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Today, we are going to feature an interview with Mr. Gary Sinclair, who's going to go through a several-step process on ways that you can actually heal yourself and heal some of the painful memories you may have. This is going to be a very uh, analytical, informative-style interview, and we're also going to have some insight at the end with Ms. Reverend Sally Perry. I wanted to bring to your attention that you probably have noticed that the shows are not being consistently posted on Thursdays. This is just temporary. We have an abundance of people coming in, and we're going to be back on a regular schedule soon. But I just want to let you know that um, I'm well aware of your time, well aware that you're anticipating these shows, and I thank you so much for listening. So let us now begin our interview today with Mr. Gary Sinclair. Our guest today on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show is Mr. Gary Sinclair. He is a claimed author of Healing Memories and Seconds, Your Empowering Spirit, and Healing Alex. Mr. Sinclair, great honor to have you with us today. Thank you for being on the program. After having met you and looking at your credentials, sir, I'm rather honored to be here. So thank you. Thank you. So this book... Healing Memories in Seconds, you've been able to, um, well, what we've talked about, and in the book, you take away the pain and suffering that's associated with memories. Can you please give an overview on the basis of your work and how you actually take away the pain and suffering of a memory? Absolutely. Bless you. You have to go back and, and look at my history because I literally have a history of teaching for the last 36 years different techniques that would work to allow a person to, rather than having the energy of life live them, I would teach them how to recognize who they were or who they are as the energy of life. And as the energy of life began to take control over whatever was going on. So I actually created a program that over the course of several days would end up allowing that person to get to where they had neutralized so much of their life. And in doing that, part of what I was teaching them were processes or procedures therapeutically that they could do that would, in fact, allow them to neutralize their memory. In looking at what's happened over the course of the years, uh, and again, as I say, I've been doing that now for 36 years, back in May 27th of 2014, that wonderful voice that some of us hear in our head woke me up at 4.30 in the morning and said, get up, you're going to write another book. <laughs> I argued with the voice because it's 4.30 in the morning, and I said, well, you have to realize I've been writing the book Life is Energy for a long time, and it's, just, it's not quite ready, but it's close. And the voice wonderfully said, you'll never have it printed. And I thought, what? <laughs> I said, get up, you're going to write another book. So I did. So as I proceed down the corridor out of my bedroom, down to my office space, I said, what's the title? And I got Healing Memories in Seconds. 
And I thought, well, that's interesting. What am I going to put in healing memories in seconds? And the voice said, when you think about all those simplistic things that are processes that are energetically oriented, that someone, after they've gone through your training, can go home and do those processes on their own, you put the ones that you realize are the most simple that they can, in fact, already use on your own into that book. And when he said processes, I said, well, how about testimonies and all the rest of it? And the answer was, no, you only put the processes. So, of course, I've been doing it that long. So I have to be honest, Ryan, a week and a half later, the book was written. I mean, that was simple. That was like the stuff that I talk about and live as my everyday experience so, of life. This inspiration, where was it coming from? Was it, was, do you, was it your higher self? Was it an external force? What would you describe or visualize That's or feel? That's an interesting thing because can I just say higher self? I honestly okay. can't because having gone through what I went through in my medical history, and you do know some of that, I have to understand that there's something greater than who I am that is a life force that flows through me and is in its own way, in reality, a controlling power to who we are and how life comes about. Life is an inside job, truly, but I honestly know for sure that there's something that's causing my heart to beat that is not who I am. And I do believe that I have a direct communication with that part of me that allows me to have a most inspired life for everything that I'm doing. There's no question as to whether I'm called to what I'm doing. So I would have to say, you know, it's an outside influence, but it, it's like, it's like I think a thought and then that thought doesn't end. It just keeps on going. And even though in reality, I'm hearing it in a voice that sounds as though I'm talking to myself in my voice, I know the thought that I'm thinking and it ends, but the voice keeps right on going. There is no break between what I'm thinking and what that voice keeps going with that completes the answers for whatever that statement or that piece of information is all about. And I've okay. been that way ever since I healed from the multiple sclerosis or the 80% paralysis. Sure. Before we go through that question about the multiple sclerosis, I would like to ask you, as far as that voice goes, does the frequency or the information vary and change based on the types of moods that you are having? If you are feeling very upset or very happy, does your frequency or vibration uh, change the style of communication or the information that's being uh, flowing through this voice? I would absolutely have to say no, but then I need to look at it from the standpoint of how often do I hear it? And it's, it's not something that's a daily communication, even a monthly. It's just when it happens, it's not something I'm going to question as to the validity of something telling me something that I'm going to do. It, it, it's like having an authority figure as a source of who I am uh, that's providing me with something information-wise that I realize is that valuable not only to me, but generally whatever I'm being told is going to be valuable to the lives of other people because life is what you give away. Life is how you serve other people. You know, when it's all about you, it doesn't seem to go anywhere. So life is, for me, what life is all about in being able to do now what I do specifically for other people. Okay. Now, can you please, before we even, I mean, again, going back before we go into the MS, what is the basis of the healing and the memories? Can you please describe, um, if you can give a visualization sure. of the etheric body? if you want to call it that, or the um, how, how human beings are comprised and etherically. We have physical dimensions. We have, we're physical. We're also spirit, apparently. Yep. Can you please describe the basis of it? Well, here's, here's what you need to understand. When I got up and wrote that book, I wrote it. It took me about a week and a half. I then, after that had gone to editing so that it could go to a publisher, 
That's when I received because I said, okay, source, okay, God, okay, creator, whoever you are, if you want anything more in the book, give it to me and I'll put it in. I closed my eyes and when I opened my eyes, next thing you know, I have this premier or superior piece of work that got added as the last chapter into the book and that's called Soul Link. And based on that, what I understand is if you look at the physicality of who we are as a body, there is energy that makes up the composite. You could call them chakras. There's all sorts of names for the energy that we look at. The latest name that's being bantered around now is called the biofield. When we look at energy medicine and the changes that are taking place in the field of epigenetics, biofield is a big one. But what they're basically saying is that from the toe of your foot, Every single toe has an energy meridian that runs horizontally all the way up into your brain, all the way down into your hands and up your fingertips. Your entire body is covered by those energy meridians. If you look at going across the hands, those are called the transverse meridians. And the transverse meridians, again, cover everything that's possible to cover within your body using those transverse meridians. So energetically, everything is connectable to the entire biofield or energetic self of who you are as an energy field simply by using their hands. So what I ended up realizing is if you look at the work of Heart Math Institute, which showed us that there's a brain in your heart way back decades ago. If you look at the work that they have done, they've shown us now that that energy field that pops out as the heart and soul of who you are, Every time your heart beats, there's a magnification that's 5,000 times stronger as a positive energy field than anything that you can hold in mind. The brain itself is born on a negative charge. It's born for the preservation of who you are because it must protect you. Otherwise, one feel-good party, we'd run ourselves amok. So the reality was, as I considered what I'd learned and what I was thinking through, was if I could combine up all the energy fields of the body hold those in place while somebody was thinking about a negative, then in fact that 5,000 times positive energy field would absolutely pull the negative charge out of any negative memory because if you compared them, it would be like 5,000 times positive to minus 100 negative because the brain runs on a charge that's about 100 compared to the 5,000 that the heart and soul is putting out as the totality of who you are. So on that basis, I did in fact develop soul link to the point where it does today what it's doing, literally neutralizing any negative memory to and including PTSD memories. It's doing it in anything from 20 to 40 to 60 seconds, depending on the person, depending on whether the process is being done to them or whether they're actually doing the process independent and on it on their own. And looking at the original work that I did, I worked with roughly 3,200 people teaching them to do the specific process called Solink on their own. And in doing that, it was running about 98% successful with them running it for the first time. Any emotions or feelings that remained after that, and they would recognize significant change, then I'd just ask them, hold on to the emotions and feelings that now remain about that memory and simply do the process again. And, of course, the wonderful thing about it is the statistical data shows that it ran 100% effective. When the medical peer review came out, which was January 29th or 20th, yeah, 29th of this last year, 2016, when that came out, that sort of like changed everything. And I realized I can't keep spending all the time that I'm spending so that the person is in fact now doing what they're doing uh, for me to teach them. I'm going to have to begin to do this work to them 
on that basis, it's a different setup of totals so that if we took 100 people, 70 of them are going to have that memory neutralized on the first time the process is used on them, taking approximately 20 seconds. Whatever emotions and feelings remain, we would do that for the next pass. At that point, 25 more of that 100 people would have it neutralized. Five out of 100 might need it to be run on the third pass. However, statistical data has proved that we are at 100% successful, even with those people on worst memories ever. And you're literally saying 20, 40, 60 seconds. There's nothing out there that does what this is doing. Absolutely not a thing I can think of, not even close. Okay, so you put a revealing piece of information out which talks about the energy of the mind and the energy of the heart. And I can't remember another time in life where they're saying, you know, your, your, your energy goes where your mind goes. Your mind goes, your consciousness flows. And if you think about it, you'll manifest it. But it seems that the heart is the jet engine, whereas the mind is the, um, you know, is, is a golf cart compared to manifestation. Is that, is that what it's saying? If you have like great ideas in your heart, can you manifest them so much faster than if you have them in your mind? And if you have a peace in your heart, can that manifest so much stronger than thoughts of your mind? Well, recognizing the work of several other people, one would be the work of, um, sure, um, Power versus force. Uh, when you look at what David Hawkins did with that entire series that he came up with, he was looking at calibrated levels of enlightenment with what people were doing. And when you realize that at that nine weeks of age in the womb, while you're being created, that's when the actual brain takes on, uh, I mean, that's when the actual heart takes on a separate and independent beat in the womb. What we now know from the work of HeartMath Institute is the fact that we actually get a small gray area that is, in fact, a brain in the heart. So even though we grow up with an identity of believing that we are but the energy of the physical self, in truth, no, we were born to know what separation is from. And what we actually get separated from is the belief in identity that we are this energy field, this, this energy that's being emitted by the heart. Because let's face it, when it stops two beats, you're no longer here. So knowing that in truth, you can't show me your 10-year-old body. However, you can talk to me about a 10-year-old memory. So if I said to you, whose body is it? You could take your hand, tap your chest and say, my body. And if I said, who's saying my body? You could point at yourself and say, I said my body. But the real question is, who's my and I that just represented itself in a separate identity from that body? So knowing that there is proof that we do have a brain in the heart, all thought literally goes down into that connective area that's there. And then by distortion, deletion, generalization, all the processing, all the filters that we have in life, all that information comes back up into conscious awareness at about 2,000 bits per second. So you recognize this conversation and its meaning to you based on everything else that's already in there. That's why we say life is an inside job. However, at the same time, we say, out of the heart flow the issues of life. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, there's so many things that have related to the heart forever without anybody putting together the detail to show that the reality is that beating heart is who you are because when it doesn't beat, you're no more. So recognizing the power that's there and the control that it has, obviously, whatever you think goes down into that little control box area. And then because the heart 
is, is considered by many. Let me give you another statement. I love to say God promised me the desires of my heart. And when I say that, I have to recognize that all thought goes into that little gray mass area in my heart. Therefore, all since all thought goes there, what that area does as a controller and life force is seeks to manifest back out into the world around me and into my own physical body, whatever is represented by what that statement means. Because if I was promised the desires of my heart, that part that's down there does not take and look at yes and no or do and don't and all those things. It looks at the command of action within the framework of any structure that you're thinking and seeks to manifest it as the reality of who you are and what you're looking at. So when I'm actually teaching my two-day program to people called Restoration, I'm making sure that they understand that when you look at creation and the fact that it is true and provable that God promised you the desires of your heart, I do a process in the beginning that shows them. I let them absolutely create a complete fictional lie about other people and other things so that they can see how their body itself will actually respond to that complete physical lie because the heart is going to take that energy, seek to make it completely true and real about them, and it sort of like unlocks them so that they realize, wow, I've always been responsible for who I am because I'm not the thought. I'm the thinker of the thought. And I have processed all this information because it's not really what happens that matters. It's what you do with what happens. So as I teach the process of looking at co-creating, I teach them how to think about what you desire and then allow yourself, as you think about it, to in your own mind's eye, create it in such a way that you envision it taking place. And now here's the key. As you're considering it as taking place, allow your mind now to go to a place where you've gone beyond the successful completion of whatever it is. Because as you hold on to the emotions and feelings of what it's like to have already received, then you have, in fact, now structured that process of law of attraction, which is manifesting, like energy attracts like energy, and you put into effect the level of your heart and energy that's now going to pull to you that which matches the emotions and feelings that you're now holding on to. And the success stories out of that are just magnificent because that's life. What we've never recognized is we think the thought, it produces a reaction. We never care about what the reaction is because the energy of life has lived us. It's making the change to become what the energy of life is that makes all the difference. If you have something that you really love, you, you envision it and you inspire by it, is it, are you going to manifest that quicker by taking that vision or the desire and pretending it or envisioning it to be in your heart? Are you going to magnify it? Are you going to enhance the capability of getting to that place because the yes. heart is this geyser of energy? The absolute answer to that is yes, no question. I, I can definitively say that. That is not, that, that is absolutely true. Why? Because like energy attracts like energy. And when we understand where that energy gets stored based on thought alone, that storage of that energy produces the law of attraction of like energy attracts like energy. As far as – can we just uh, tell our, our credible audience some of the techniques that you utilize in your program to take away the pain and the suffering Sure. Associated with traumas, associated with memories. Well, I, and actually, so how, how can some of the audience, can they, can they? The easiest thing to do is to allow your audience to participate. Number one, Soul Link is not something that I can teach over a phone. It's just, it's just 
it is in effect a whole process that uses all the energy field. But yet those that I relate to people that help them get to understand what it's like to neutralize memory would be as simple as first allowing them to discover what it feels like to feel your own energy. So if everyone listening would simply take their thumb and rub it into the palm of the opposite hand, right into the middle of the opposite hand, it's going to get to where there's a warm feeling simply because they're affecting an energy meridian that's in the whole core of that hand. And after you get to where you can feel that energy in the middle of one hand, take your thumb and rub it into the other hand. So that as you rub it into the other hand, you're repeating exactly what you did before. Now, if I threw you a child's round ball, that round ball would be such that the problem would be when you caught it and literally held it comfortably, there might be two inches between the tips of your fingers and two inches between where your wrist would be. So if you allowed the same space on the top of your fingers, the same space between your wrists, and you made what's in between there a nice round ball, then what I would say to you is very slowly, and I do mean slowly, feel the space that's between your hands as you simply pull your hands slowly apart and then slowly bring them back together. Do it again, pull them slowly apart and slowly back together. It's so interesting because you'll begin to feel that there's an expansion that you're creating and there's a contraction. You're pulling and you're pressing. You're feeling something as though there's something between your hands. And I love it because when I'm teaching a group, I simply say, you're having a feel-good party with yourself. Because the truth is, if I took you to a hospital, they lay down on one of these magnificent scan machines that they have today, What that scan is actually reading is the energy that you are now feeling between your hands because that is who you are in reality. When you say my and I that owns the body, that's the my and I that is the energy of all that. So then when I'm talking to the group, we talk about scaling memories on a 1 to 10. In scaling them on a 1 to 10, for most people, 10 would be the worst memories ever or memories that are at that PTSD level. So if we look at everything up to an Eight, as a memory, anything in the memory range of one to eight, those are memories that happen to people, and they just learn to go on with life and live with it. Yes, they can actually cause them to make some significant changes in their life, but they're not things that are that completely destructive to them. So often somebody's on a path, they go in through life, those PTSD memories hit, those memories that are at a nine and a ten. And I'm telling you, it changes the direction of life. I mean, literally changes the direction of life. So SoulLink is by far the process. Well, the medical director for the Association for Research and Enlightenment just wrote me and she said it has such deep, profound implications with what it's doing because she's now using it on herself, looking at the medical implications of where all this work is going to go. So I cannot teach that level, but let's look at it another way. Think of a memory that's down in that range of three to four because a memory that's in the three to four is something that could happen any day And yet when you think about that as a memory, you realize the memory bothers you. Now, when I say pick a memory for you right now that's in that range of a three to four, the reason why I say that is I want the memory, as you think about it, to truly have negative emotions and feelings attached to it. I want it to be a memory so that as you think about it, you realize, yep, I can feel what's here, and yes, it bothers me. I want those negative feelings and emotions to be there. Because what I'm about to teach you By the time we're done, you're going to think, wow, every child needs to know how to do this. Because if I had learned to do it as a child, I wouldn't be where I am today. Okay. 
So here's what I'd like you to do. As long as you've got that memory, take your hands and go back and make the same round ball that you made before where you were having that feel-good part. You're feeling your own energy. And as you make that round ball, realize you already know how to move your hands in and out. So what I want you to do is I want you to focus right into the space that's in the middle of that ball. And as you focus into the space of the middle of the ball, allow your mind now, that smaller energy field that we talked about, allow your mind to stay focused on whatever that memory is. Allow yourself to feel the emotions and feelings that you realize are negative about that memory. And as you continue to hold the memory in mind, stare into the space in your hands and simply slowly once more, bring your hands apart so that they go apart about 8 to 10 to 12 inches, and then bringing them right back into where they're only about two inches apart at the tips of your fingers and also where the wrist is, same spacing. That's one time. Do it again. Pull them apart and then bring them back in. Now we're going to go to the third time. Pull them apart and bring them back in. Now this time's going to be a little different. As you continue to spare into that space, Go ahead and pull them apart. But what I want you to do is I want you to keep pulling them apart. Keep pulling them out, 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 and take them all the way out, almost to the full length of your arm extensions, and then simply let it go. Now, do yourself a favor. Look around and name some of the things that you see where you are. You may have paintings on the wall or lights turned on, carpet on the floor, a chair across from you, a desk you're looking at. And then go ahead now and check the memory that you were once thinking about before. Drop right down into that memory and check the emotions and feelings and notice what it feels like now. Because for everybody listening, unless they did a memory that was higher than a four, that memory should now be completely neutral. Now allow yourself, if in fact, for some reason, that memory does not still seem to be neutral, then allow yourself to feel whatever emotions and feelings now remain and based on the fact that you can feel whatever now remains, simply hold on to those emotions and feelings and do the exact same process all over again. Three times in and out, and on the fourth time, all the way out. And you'll discover afterwards that even those emotions and feelings that remained, because the memory did not go completely to neutral, will now neutralize. One of the best cases I have of this is a grandmother in Louisiana who taught her seven-year-old that had been so extremely bullied in school that the school system literally said, you're going to have to take him out of school. When she taught this to him, he went to school, came home the next day, came through the door absolutely laughing. He's moving his hands in and out, and he says, Grandma, Grandma, Billy beat me up like he always did, but it doesn't bother me at all. Well, I love it because today we're a year and a half to almost two years out. This little boy is no longer bullied at all, not at all. And the answer is why? Because life is an inside job, and what was attracting the bullying before, as time has gone on, he's completely neutralized that out of himself. So my question is, yeah, what would it be like if we teach this to all the children? Fontana School District in California has 2,200 teachers. They want me to teach every teacher how to do the process called Soul Link, and then they want me to teach them this process alone, just so they can teach every child as they come to school and they can begin the day calming all these children down. So the ADD, the ADHD, it'll get such a calmness and change into the classroom that's there. My only trouble, I need a lot more people trained to do it because I can't commit to doing that with all the certification trainings right now that are taking place because 
the caliber of excitement that comes with having a process that's now 100% successful with PTSD memories has literally backed me up with training opportunities and they're coming all over the globe. When it comes to taking away mm-hmm. the pain and association of a memory, right. are the people could potential are could people potentially put themselves in danger because if they disassociate the pain and suffering with a memory that is destined to protect them, could they uh, put themselves in long term danger? I'll explain. They see a situation or they recognize a certain individual and they have pain and suffering associated with that individual because that individual hurt them. Now, they go through the process and they completely take away the pain and suffering of the memory associated with that type of person. Now, because the pain is neutralized and they see that individual again and they don't have the same cautionary reaction to that person. So are there certain circumstances where you recommend that your process not be utilized? Are there certain circumstances where it is good to have a painful memory association for the long-term sake of preserving your life and also protecting your family? The way I would look at it personally, and I mean personally, because again, anybody coming to me wants help, let's face it. They're lining up because they realize what they've heard of the value of the work. As long as the person has the learning, the benefit, and the experience, they have already made decisions judgmentally about their relationship with that other people and what it is they're going to do. So if we can get them to where the pain and suffering that they've gone through that relates to that specific memory is no longer there, and yet they can still have that learning and benefit of that experience, I shout hallelujah. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, there are other circumstances, like the man in Desert Hot Springs here who said, uh, you know, I, I ask them to remain content-free because I don't really want to know about the memory at all. I, I love the fact that my work is content-free. It's been that way for 36 years. I prefer that it stays that way. But, of course, he blurted out, I'm shooting his face off. And, again, it was a Vietnam memory. So Vietnam's a long ways back. But this memory has absolutely affected his life. His wife brought him to the session where she'd heard I was going to speak simply because she'd already talked with people that said, you'll never believe what this guy's work does. I mean, you know, it, it really is that great. With this particular gentleman, I only did the past, the process of soul link to him once, period. So we're talking 20 seconds. And afterwards, when I said to him, just drop right down into that memory now and check the emotions and feelings. Are, are they neutral? He said, I can't tell you. And, of course, his wife's standing near him, let right into it because she says, well, tell him about the memory. Quit. Tell him about the memory. Quit. Now tell him what's going on. And he says, I can't tell you. And I said, ma'am, don't worry about it yet. Just just let me talk to him. And I said, sir, as you think about that memory now, I just want you to drop down into that memory and check the emotions and feelings and tell me, are they neutral? And he looked at me with a blank look on his face and he says, I can't tell you. And his wife says, what do you mean you can't tell him? Tell me about the memory. He says, I can't find the face. I've worked with so many people with what it is that's absolutely traumatized their life. I mean, the, the the demo piece in Sacramento last Saturday night, two and a half years of age, the lady knows she's now 79. Two and a half years of age, she knows that she's dying. Literally, she is dying. She's left with her grandmother while the family had to go away and do some other stuff. And while she's left with the grandmother, the grandmother died on top of her at two and a half. 77 years this woman has lived with a horror that wakes her up at night. She still goes through the memory trauma, time and again and again and again. And I had to, this is one of those where I had to do the process because I'm doing it to her, which means it takes, it may take more 
processing to do it to them than it does when they're doing it to themselves. But this is one where I had to run it the third time. The first time it began as a 10 plus, it went to a nine. Second time it went to a seven. Third time she says they would look on her face and say, you just, you, you can't believe what's happened. She's, I just, this is not possible. It, it just, I've got a memory, but it doesn't bother me. I mean, it doesn't bother me at all. This, this isn't possible. I've had decades of therapy. I've had decades of help with this. Oh, don't tell me this worked. Oh, I never would have expected it worked. Oh my word. Oh my word. It worked. It worked. It worked. It does not bother me at all. Well, she came back to where I was speaking the following day. And she said, you just don't have any idea. You have changed my life forever. I've gone through 77 years of hell. And no matter what I do right now, as I think about the memory, it just, it doesn't bother me. Just, I've never even had a relationship that I've allowed myself to have because to know anybody, they're going to die. I mean, look at what's happened to my life now because of what happened with this memory. <laughs> I get used to this stuff, right? I just yeah. It blows me away and I remain in awe simply because I'm really not doing anything to them. I'm allowing the process of what the process does. You're showing the process. And I think that's what is so – that's why we wanted to have you because you're you're teaching a really profound and great lesson. And I was wondering if you can please share with our audience your story because this is amazing. At one point in time, you were suffering from multiple sclerosis. Oh, it even goes back before that in reality, Ryan, because – the back cover of the book, Healing Memories and Seconds, describes the fact that when I was born, I had two lungs. Interesting. They were only 50% there. Now, when you're born with partial lungs, number one, the doctors don't expect you to live. But I have to tell you, my parents took me home and loved me to life. That's a major statement right there. Love me to life. I literally, I was born allergic to trees, grass, plants, and flowers. I knew the days of the week by the allergy shots that I got. I knew the hours of the day by the pills that I took. And I have to be honest, I remained that way until age 36. However, somewhere in there between the age of 21 and 22, I woke up one morning, rolled out of bed and rolled over on the floor. And I'm going to make a long story short. By the time I'd spent a month in the hospital and they had done two spinal taps, they definitively diagnosed me with progressive multiple sclerosis. Over the course of the next 14 years, even though they told me what to expect and I believed it lock, stock and barrel, uh, they told me pretty much predictable when I'd have another attack. My wife would catch me two weeks ahead of time getting ready because who's just of the highest magnitude, the guy in the white coat? When he tells you what's going to happen, you follow his directions. I never learned that I had a different set of directions inside of me. I never learned that with the desire in my heart, I could actually learn to heal. But over the course of 15 years, I got to where finally I was in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. I got to where the only thing that really moved on my body was my right arm. And it didn't do too good because I had a watch that my father, who had then passed away, was was given to him after they stormed the beaches of Normandy. And between the watch and the spoon that I would eat with, the two of them were too heavy for me to get food comfortably in my mouth. And that was at the point where I decided if God really was real, then he promised us the desires of my heart. And I was going to trust the fact that if I could have the desires of my heart, I was absolutely going to heal. Otherwise, if I died... I told all my friends they needed to know, don't believe the thing about God, lock him up, put him in a box, kill him, just get rid of him because he's absolutely not true. He's fictional. And yet over the course of the next 16 months, I worked with a chiropractor, an acupuncturist, a nutritionist. I've worked with anybody that had anything to do with regenerating a body. And I still remember the day, six months into being in the chiropractor's office, where I basically have what I call today a light switch that I can touch in the back of the calf of my left leg. 
for a feeling for the first time in 14 years. That was a life changer. After 16 months, I got to where I said to my wife, when I take communion on Sunday, which for me, in my religious belief, that was going to be the confirmation between God and I that this was a done deal. I said, you only hear me say I had MS. That was 36 years ago. The lungs had progressed to where, with other things that had happened, because I'd been involved with an accident where they poured commercial strength bleach, which is 100 times stronger than regular bleach, down a drain hole that had already been filled with all sorts of cleaning chemicals about five feet away from where I was. And without knowing what was going on and beginning to cough and do what I was doing, I didn't realize my lungs were being additionally damaged. So at the time, I'm down to about one-third lung capacity. The amount of theophylline in medication that I took just to breathe daily, I was actually at 1,200 milligrams of Theodore every four hours, 24 hours a day in order to keep breathing, plus all the other stuff they had me on, which is allopatin inhalers and other stuff that, that sort of helped in the process. I didn't even know I was a drug addict. But to make a long story short, again, I, I got to where I said, no, my lungs are going to heal. They must heal. And by the time I went through two weeks from the day that the doctor agreed to give me enough pills to last two weeks, and then he would have to double my dosage because my body was eating it up. In that time period, miraculously, again, at a time period of receiving communion, I went to full lung capacity, which means the bones in my body that have been skinny and narrow, the bones in my chest lifted up, and a brand new full set of complete lungs dropped into my body so that when I went to see that doctor that was going to double my dosage the following Tuesday, the shock of look on his face when he said, Gary, this we have to call a miracle. So, uh, you know, just amazing things that took place. That's We're talking 35, 36 years ago. But that put me on the path of beginning to study the energetics of the body because I realized I did something that allowed this to take place. And in all honesty, if I had to tell you the biggest secret to it all, I would sit in the wheelchair and I would scream to God and I'd say, God, if you love me, you'd heal me. And remember I said to you I had a voice that had a way of keeping on going? And what would happen is I'd scream, God, if you love me, you'd heal me. It would keep on going and saying, and if you loved yourself, you'd heal. I didn't quite get it then. But I do know that one of the things I did is I began to fall in love with everything that was wrong with me. Didn't matter what it was, a zit, a pimple, you name it. No matter what it was, I fell in love with who I was so that every single cell in my body was being loved by me. And I can tell you, love pulls from whatever it touches towards its highest potential. That's a good one to know and write down. Love pulls whatever it touches towards its highest potential. And that's why today to your entire radio audience and to you, I have no problem saying I am love living. <laughs> I that's wouldn't great. choose to be anything but love living because the beat of my heart keeps me going. If it stopped, I'm done. So the entire energy of who I truly am is that beat of my heart. It loves me that much. And it loves me unconditionally with no strings attached. And because of that, I choose to be and reflect to others that which that energy is to me. And it is absolutely love living or I would have been dead over and over and over and over. And I, I think you know about the, the strokes that I had, Ryan. I think I told you about those. When you had those, when person is experiencing a tremendous physical ailment or a challenge, 
Is there a particular reason why it is happening? Is that something that is in their subconscious? Is that something that is happening as a result of energy that is not recognized or a process? Or is that something that maybe has to do with something that they're bringing into this lifetime from an unresolved matter from a previous uh, life incarnation? It's entirely possible that there's karmic genealogic involved in it. That's always possible. However, what we recognize when we look at the work of Bruce Lipton, who wrote the book The Biology of Belief, and I was one of the first people that was a living proof for Bruce, that when they look at what epigenetics is doing today, I truly uh, was involved with, with really the reality of epigenetics when I went from where I was in the wheelchair and the lung capacity to the way I am today. So uh, Bruce and I have a fantastic relationship with what's going on. What we know is that a dis-ease period in any memory structure it can be a dis-ease in the memory, but long-term held on to any disease causes an interruption in the energy biofield, so therefore it has the capacity to produce a dis-ease, as one word, disease, in the body. So so often when we look at what's possible to heal, just getting the dis-ease, the negative charge out of all the structure, is so important to allowing the body to heal and do what it does. Uh, one of the gals that just finished the two-day restoration class with me in Sacramento has been 30 years as an energy therapist. And when she left the class, she went to see one of her closest friends, and her closest friend said, what happened to you? She said, what do you mean, what happened to me? She said, you've had that widow something. You've been bent over forever. You're standing right up straight. What happened? And she said, I didn't realize that all of a sudden my body had realigned and I was standing right up straight. But she's right. I've been humped over for some time. But all of a sudden, I'm right up straight. She, I don't have an explanation except for the fact that when we did what we did, I kept feeling so many shifts take place in my body. And apparently, one of them, whatever it was, took care of whatever the need was to allow my body to remember what it's like to be whole and well and complete. And that's a big thing that I just said, Ryan. For the body to remember Take, take something as simple as this. Everything in the body is a memory or a process, whatever it is, but it is always contained within an energy field. If it did not have some form of containment, then our bodies would be like the ocean after the Mississippi River had a major flooding and it's all turned brown and run out. Which is not true. Everything has some form or shape and holes within our body. Even the dis-ease that holds something in place is there because it holds something in place in our body. So part of what I teach is just like what you did when you stared into the space of the ball and you expanded it, contracted, expanded it, contracted. In reality, you blew out the boundaries of the holding container of whatever that memory structure was so that as that memory came back into a new holding container, the emotions and feelings are now gone so that you still have the memory, but the negative charged emotions and feelings are gone. So often, just getting to where we get that dis-ease done, we instigate a different program to run. When we talk about programs, and one of the processes I teach is called running programs, to talk about it simple would be to say an example of people go to bed at night, how long does it take you to go to sleep? Well, the gal in the last class, one said 45 minutes, and the other one said about an hour and a half, because it takes me a while to get my brain to turn off, and, you know, it's just it's just the way it is. It's always been that way. So I said to them both, are you asleep at 2.30 in the morning? And they both said, well, yeah, normally I'm asleep. And I said, good, tonight when you put your head on the pillow, what I want you to do is I want you to say to yourself, I want to absolutely 
positively, totally and completely, remember what I was thinking last night at 2.30. Tomorrow when you come in, I want you to tell me what happens, okay? That's all I want you to do. Well, of course, the next day when they came in, they said, I don't really remember because, surprisingly, I went right to sleep. Well, of course they did, because they jumped into the middle of an existing program that already runs, and now they've learned that they can do that. So no more 45 minutes to an hour and a half staying awake at night, because now they know that they can jump into the middle of a conditioned existing program that they can now run. And, of course, when I'm teaching people, I'm teaching them how to become the energy of life. And the reality is, if everything is a process of some kind, even your radio audience out there right now, if they would, if everyone in the audience would just feel some absolutely minor feeling in the body, when I say minor, that's all it is, nothing major, just deal with something minor, because that's all we're going to talk about right now, it's just something minor. They can learn a lot, however, from this process. So as you find a minor feeling, and let's say it's on my right wrist, the question I'm about to ask, the answer to that question is going to be someplace else. So if I have this feeling wherever it is, since everyone is but an awareness of consciousness as a whole, because let's face it, the only gift we have been given personally complete responsibility for is thought, then thinking is the occupation of life. So as an awareness of consciousness, thinking as you are, there is a part of awareness that right now is active and making you aware of the feeling that you're feeling. Now, some people can actually point to where that part of awareness is because it's not wherever the feeling is. That's the feeling. The part of awareness can be anywhere else. But when you think about that part of awareness, and as I say, some people know right where it is, it's obvious that there at least must be one. So since we already can recognize that there must be one, my question to the audience would simply be this. Is it possible, within the framework of pure potentiality, that part of awareness would like to simply relax, unwind, or unfold, and become a part of awareness and consciousness once more? Okay. And of course the answer is yes. So my statement would be, give it permission. Mr. Gary Sinclair, I want to tell you, I, I really, enjoyed our, really enjoyed our interview today. It was really great. There's a lot of information and techniques that people can utilize to hopefully help themselves and make themselves feel better and progress. To learn more about Mr. Gary Sinclair, please go to his website at GarySinclair.com. Thank you so much, Mr. And the teaching and training is available at MemoryEnergyTherapy.com. MemoryEnergyTherapy.com. That's where all the certification training to be able to work with people and teach this is now made available. Brian, bless you. Enjoy talking to you. May we do this a dozen more times so that lives all over the globe will change. So everyone is healed and we are all in this world (laughs) of peace. Uh, Well, when you realize the closest therapy to this is EMDR and it's 80% successful, 600 million people have been trained in tapping and it's 60% successful. I love the fact that God has been so gracious to honor me with the ability to put this out there in such a way that we now have something that is absolutely changing the face of therapy. Love it. Bless you, bless you, bless you. Bless your heart to heart and love you to life to everyone who's out there listening. May your day be as fantastic with loving others as truly mine is.
and always will be. Joining us now is Reverend Sally Perry, world-class visionary, spiritual healer, and teacher. We can learn more about Ms. Perry by going to her website at sallyperry.net. Ms. Perry, in all of your years as a teacher, as a visionary, as a healer, what makes Gary Sinclair and his work stand out to you? Well, the format of my work, first of all, thank you for this interview, and I want to thank Gary Sinclair for his work. Uh, With then my own work, when I came in touch with beautiful painted era Joseph Rael and learned about the medicine wheel, it gave me a modality for a whole person not just a part of a person. So what happens in the medicine wheel, the east is the mind, the south is the emotion, the west is the physical, the north is the spiritual, the center is is God. Uh, but what Gary's doing is unheard of. He's working directly with the emotional energy. A lot of people have blocked their emotions Uh, We hold on to them. It blocks us from healing mentally and physically and spiritually. So this is the next huge awakening, I believe, in the world. I've been working with mental energies for 30 years probably, but nothing as advanced as his soul link that opens up the portals to release the negative energy that within minutes. I was so amazed and so happy to hear also that medical doctors are enjoining with him with practices and bringing forth that connection that needs to happen in the medical field for people not to first seek the most diverse things or practices for healing. Ms. Perry, in the West especially, there seems to be this attitude of, you know, need it now, want it now, instant gratification. And I'm curious to know, is Gary's process, which seems to expedite the healing, seems to expedite uh, the evolution, is that considered very positive or is that is that, could that be conceived in any way, shape, or form as negative because it increases the speed for which you heal? Does there need to be a time-sensitive area for which a person needs to heal? Do they need to go slower? Does going faster in its way, shape, or form um, hampen their ability to fully learn the lesson? What I believe as a whole is that this new energy that's come into the planet is giving us a uplift, uh, almost like an elevator lift, where if you can go to 1 to 10, some people can go to 10. Some people go to the second floor. And whatever level of consciousness you're in, this seemingly miracle can happen for you as I see it. In my medicine work, that's also what I saw with the dances and the vision quests. You know, whatever level a person came in, 
and whatever energy they could receive, uh, they would uh, be able to manifest. And I think that no, in this absolute crazy time of communications uh, that are so instant that it really meets the needs of society. Okay. And as far as transcending pain, as far as transcending suffering, or even becoming less constrained to the memories of pain and suffering, how would you rate Gary's um, methodology? Do you, would you just call it incredibly effective as far as... Uh, uh, I would like to just relate the first night he worked on me. Uh, I was very surprised but also aware of any time I heard of child abuse, especially uh, men abusing children, which was part of what happened to me at nine. I am in no mind now. I don't, my mind's like the sky. But when I would hear that, I would hear my subconscious say, you know, hang them up, things that are not a God presence. And what happened is when he used me as a demonstration, he did not limit from 1 to 10 my my thought pattern, my emotional pattern, which in the beginning you have to limit those patterns. So I jumped right to a 10, and I almost fell down when he did it. The shock was so strong in my body but it's like I don't have that memory there. It's gone. And, Miss Perry... I tell you what the memory was, and I've tested myself telling friends a time or two, but but it was just me being a little scientific with it myself because I know that what you speak is ten times stronger than what you think, and your thoughts are four volts of electricity. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't increasing it in my consciousness. But the memory was gone. That memory happened, I would say, for me around 9 or 10 years old. Uh, Ms. Perry, I just have one more question for you, and that is even if you are doing Gary's workshop and you're doing these techniques incorrectly just by the intention of doing it, are you raising your vibration? Are you raising your vibration significantly enough to cause whatever pain and suffering you are currently experiencing to diminish just through the art of intention and regardless if you're doing the techniques properly? You can have an intention that you want to make $100 million. But if you don't have the platform and the background, you could be standing in front of someone that could hire you, but you couldn't get the job because you don't have the foundation. So I would say that there would be people maybe that would misuse it or they don't have enough of the foundation. Uh, The first part, he allows people to come back and take it again, I believe is no charge. Uh, I I think for those that are going on and teaching it, you have to uh, continue in a deeper workshop or two to get certified. 
So I think that if you do what he's leading you into doing, it's okay. But I don't believe that everybody will get instantaneous healing. Uh, But he does have two or three times that he could do it again. And from the testimonies I've heard, then after the second or third time, the memory is gone. Uh, What I don't quite understand with the medicine wheel, it's the thought that creates the memory. So is actually, as I'm speaking, I'm realizing that the thought, I had the thought of what happened to me, but it did not create a memory again. And anything that's in the physical world, this is the medicine wheel, it's thousands of years old. Swami told me in India, it's what he teaches too. It's the foundation of the ancient societies. Is the physical world, once it's there, it's been mental and emotional before anything happens to you in the physical world. That's the reason forgiveness is so, so much a part of healing the spirit and the heart. This Reverend Sally Perry, world-class healer, visionary, and teacher, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. To learn more about Miss Sally Perry, Miss Reverend Sally Perry, please go to her website at sallyperry.net. Thank you so much, Ms. Perry. And thank you, and God bless you and your work and Gary's work. May it find the avenues that can lift it and carry it out in the world. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to Mr. Gary Sinclair and Ms. Reverend Sally Perry. Love speaking with you both. Special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Laura Lynn, Miss Lisa Casa, and Miss Constance Dallas. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. So the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care, and thank you so, so much for listening to our show. Randall's has everything you need every day. Make us your one-stop grocery store for all things fresh and delicious at a value you'll appreciate. For a special dinner this week, shop with your Remarkable card and get fresh snow crab clusters from the seafood department for only $6.99 a pound. And for healthy snacking, pick up fresh red seedless grapes from the produce department for just $0.97 cents a pound. Fresher seafood, sweeter produce, better prices. Randall's, proudly serving Texas families since 1966.